The Toronto Raptors need to make a decision on Pascal Siakam. Scoot Henderson says he's going to win Rookie of the Year, and Team USA rolls to a win. It's the Locked On NBA podcast. Let's go. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Wednesday edition of Locked On NBA, the daily podcast covering everything you want to know about the association. And on Wednesdays, I'm your usual co-host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter and the host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. And I'm Tony East, host of Locked On Pacers, filling in for the Greek man Corrales today. Excited to dive into a randomly newsy Tuesday in August. What a what a wonderful day just to have information come out there and make like our life easier as we record this at almost midnight Eastern or 11 p.m. Eastern on on August 8th. You say you're excited to fill in for John. I think he's in the Bahamas right now, I believe. I think I'd rather fill in for him there than I was uh, watching Bahamas basketball today because Buddy Heald and Eric Gordon were uh, <laughs> duking it out against Kansas University. So Bahamas get lots Gordon. of love today. It's look, hey, that's that's why John's there. He's supporting them now, I guess, for 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 everything. We'll talk Team USA in the third segment of today's show. But of course, thank you for making Locked On NBA your first listen today. Every day, it's deep in the off season, and we are still here having fun covering the biggest topics around the league. If you want to support the show, become an everyday or listen Monday through Friday. You get all of the hosts here on the Locked On NBA podcast. So let's dive into the first topic here: Pascal Siakam and. For the athletic, Shame Sharani, I had an article out there kind of telling us what he knows about that, which I'll be honest, Tony, to me, was a whole lot of nothing there. Even when it comes to Siakam, it basically said there's no extension talks going on right now and no team is trading for him. And it's kind of putting the Raptors in a similar situation they were in with Fred Van Vliet this past season where he hit free agency, he walked for nothing, no assets in return, that's not an ideal scenario, and they didn't trade him at the trade deadline when they could have. Yeah, it's interesting. Like all these updates are basically what the buzz was around summer league too, right? The Hawks are the most interested team. Siakam won't sign an extension anywhere else. I think Chris Haynes reported that like before free agency even started. Like a lot of those parts to me were not new. The only part that was new, if I can put air quotes on it, was the actual reported Hawks offer um, mm-hmm. of DeAndre Hunter. AJ Griffin and picks and uh, Jake, I would do that immediately as <laughs> Toronto Raptors because of what you just said. They cannot keep getting in these spots where they just lose. I mean, maybe that's not enough for Pascal. He just made all NBA second team. Like he is awesome. He is so freaking good. And I don't know what the picks are. Maybe they suck. And, and I just said something I shouldn't have, but they can't keep losing guys for nothing. And if they don't have him in their long-term plans, which why else would he be in trade talks? Like they have to think about something and that's a pretty good offer even though I get that they definitely want more for an all-NBA forward, and I might have just said something dumb, but I mean that's a pretty good offer already, and they're in a really tricky spot given the moves they've made and the guys that they've lost. Yeah, like it it just goes, you know, I think on the surface, you kind of see that deal, and you're like, wait, for, for him? Like, no, you need more than that, right? He was no. 24.2 points per game, 7.8 rebounds, 5.9 assists, and he's a two-way player. Like, he is good. Let's good. be honest yeah. here. He's a very, very good player. And... Normally, I'd be like, no, don't take that. Try and get more 
trade offers, but then you've kind of seen the trade market for some of these big name players this off season. Like it just, it doesn't exist right now, right? There's nothing out there for Lillard. There's going to be nothing out there for Harden. You know, Jared Allen's reportedly been on the move and there's no real deal there materializing. Are they actually going to get a better offer than this for Pascal Siakam? And you can play this game and maybe Masai Ujiri wants to kind of gamble a little bit, but that backfired with Fred Van Vliet. You should have yep. gotten something for him and it put them in a hole. Dennis Schroeder is not the replacement, in my opinion, exactly for Fred Van Vliet. And for a team that seems to want to be, they're just kind of stuck in no man's land, right? Like they want to be competitive. They traded for Jakob Pertl. They re-signed Jakob Pertl to 20 million per year too. So if you want to be competitive, give him the extension that he should get and we don't have to worry about this but why are they playing hardball like i don't i just don't know what the read on what toronto's doing right now yeah no one has the read (laughs) really it's very true the reason i think that offer is is decent to good is because of something you said like if he's not going to extend everywhere else no one's going to trail up for him they're not getting him for a year maybe i mean maybe some team can get lucky and resign him but like that's super risky if you don't know if you're going to have a guy beyond one year it's hard to give up a lot for that player, right? Part of the reason they re-signed Pirtle to the deal they did is they traded a good first-round pick for him. You don't want to trade a first-round pick for a guy to have him for half a season, right? So that inherently hurts a guy's value and thus gets you to where the Hawks are. And if you can get a far-away Hawks pick, like post Trey Young's contract, post this current Siakam deal, and a good young player, and I, I don't want to get too much into that, but like that's why the offer is what it is because if Siakam's not going to extend, it's tough. And you know, I know you brought it up, but like for Lowry, they got... Dragic and Precious Achua, and for for Kawhi they got nothing. Well, they got it. Okay, okay. Let let me to be clear. They won a championship, right? Like they yeah, did they the did, things. They they're allowed to lose some value after that. But like they didn't get anything for Kawhi. They didn't get anything for Fred. Like that's a lot of talent drain. And and you can't you can't keep doing that forever, even if you are good at drafting and have a rookie of the year on your team. So they they've had to learn those lessons. And I'm sure if they don't have Siakam in their plans, they should trade him. But it's just like. What are you doing then? What was your summer if that's the case? Like it, it since their February trade deadline of keeping Fred, it's all kind of not made sense to me. And that's what's so confusing about the Raptors. Yeah. And that's not a team that usually doesn't make sense, right? right? Like right. this is a team that we think of as very well run, willing to take some risks. And maybe that's still what they're doing. And it's just not working out like the Kawhi Leonard trade did. Right. And then he bolted after a year, you know, that could have been a huge disaster if you don't win that title. Right. Even if you make the finals, that's probably not looking as good in hindsight with everything. It, and it also feels like they're a tough team to try and deal with. We heard this at the trade deadline, right? Ananobi is on the trade block and they're looking to move him. And then it's like, no team got anywhere with them despite making some good offers because they kept raising the price. And it sounds like they're doing that for Siakam too, a little bit that anytime you get close to a deal, they're like, Oh no, we want more. And at a certain point, are you being like too aggressive in stuff to the point where it's harming your team? And I wonder how that's factoring into things. Yeah, the the, the thing is, like, Masai got this rep as being a good trader, but at some point, everybody knows that, so it's like harder yeah. to negotiate with someone like that too, almost, you know. And like that, I get that he's won a lot of trades, like he deserved the rep, but like every team is trying to win every trade. Like it's, it's, it's a hard rep to maintain for a long time. And it gets even harder when everyone else knows you're between a rock and a hard place of like, Hey, you have a really good rookie. You should probably build around that guy, but they don't want to do that. And they also don't have their first round pick this year. So there's competing goals of what they should want to do. And again, they won the title like four years ago. That is 
that's it. That is like what you do this for. Like he deserves a lot of credit for building that team. It's just, they've been spinning in the mud with, with what they're doing. And I don't know when they're going to pick a direction, but it seems to me that trading Siakam would also maybe you trade OG too in that case. And if they're not going to trade both of them, then you got to try to be better instead. And then why are you trying to trade Pascal? It's very confusing. And that's why I like exactly it. Like that's exactly it, right? Like if you're going to trade Siakam, just trade Ananobi too. Trade right. Gary Trent Jr. Literally, just trade everybody. Like other than Barnes at that point. Like what? What? What are we doing here? If you're going to trade the best player on your team, you're going to get get worse. So if you're going to do that, you're just completely rebuilding, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think. And it seems like they just can't commit to it, right? If okay, if you're not going to trade everyone else and you're being a middling play-in tournament team, just keep Siakam unless you don't want to give him whatever extension it's going to be. I don't know. Like they're a really confusing team to me with the direction that whatever it is they're trying to do. But you know what would make them make more sense to me? If they had extra picks and they had AJ Griffin who was really good in this past <laughs> last year, and they had DeAndre Hunter, who's a young, talented wing, I'd go, oh, I get it. I get what they're trying to do. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, just do, I don't know, not this. not it, th- That's why I said uncertainty in this, right? Not right. not Pascal Siakam trade here. It's just, it's it's literally like the shrug emoji, right? Of like, what are they going to do here with everything? I, I have no clue, and I don't extended, understand it. Then they got to do the opposite thing of get some other freaking players on your team sure i mean i also think Pirtle really helped him like that was the yeah. obvious move to make at the trade deadline like that was the obvious move that they needed like they couldn't just run five guys at six foot nine for the entirety of a game and you needed an actual big they did that and they kind of stabilized i don't know maybe see what that looks like for a season right especially when you just extended him but they seem to be really intent on <laughs> confusing all of us here and for you, though, I hope the trade happens and then you can come back on Locked on NBA and be like, I told them they should take it. It was clearly, clearly <laughs> yeah. the right move. You want to take that victory lap, don't you? I thought about this a lot just because the Pacers were a reportedly interested team. And it's like, it's hard for them to come up with an offer, too, because if they don't think they can keep Siakam beyond a year, what what should you be willing to, to this send This is why out? no one's like, making an offer for Damian Lillard right now. Like, right. no one is making an offer for Damian Lillard. And he even has a contract beyond right. next season. And everyone's yeah, it's like, tricky. Same with Ananobi. He's expiring, too. And also... Mm-hmm. Shams has, uh, speaking of Dame, updates on Damon Harden. Let me tell you, uh, you already know everything in those updates. <laughs> I was like, where, where, where's Tony going with this? Because there were no <laughs> updates there. There, there you go. That was a quick Damian Lillard, James Harden update in there. We can say we did it. Coming up next, though, we're going to play a little game of real or fake. Scoot Henderson says he's going to win Rookie of the Year. Is that going to be the case, or is that, or is it going to be someone else? That's coming up here next in today's episode of Locked on NBA. Before we get to that, though, I'm excited to tell you about FanDuel because football season is about to kick off and FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long. Because right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. Just pick any team, maybe the New Orleans Saints, maybe the Indianapolis Colts here, to win the Super Bowl and you'll get bonus bets for every victory. And you can use your bonus bets on the spread, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. 
And thank you for making Locked On NBA your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday. No one else coming to y'all like this, even in the deep part of the offseason, a busy day for Tony and myself, which makes things a whole lot nicer here. And if you want to support the channel, be coming every day or listen Monday through Friday. Watch on YouTube. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and comment down below on YouTube. Tell us what you think the Toronto Raptors are going to be doing. So, Tony, every Wednesday we play real or fake here. And thank you, Scoot Henderson, for making this one easy. Let's just do it in his words. Because Scoot Henderson said, I will win Rookie of the Year. I'm going to have a great rookie season. I'm going to have a great career. Making sure that's always in past tense because it happened. So, real or fake, Tony? Scoot Henderson winning Rookie of the Year? Yeah, good interview he did with Playmaker. Love when players talk like this, first of all. So, glad he did this on the record. I think he's got a better shot than the odds say. We'll get to the odds in a second. We are good friends at FanDuel. Um, can I give you a stat to tell you why I think he's got a good shot? Yeah. Jake, since 2012, how many... Did you think I was going to say no? <laughs> yeah. No, no stat. Keep talking. <laughs> how many rookie of the years do you think have been guards or primary ball handlers for their team? Probably the majority of them. Eight or nine, depending yeah. on how you feel about one player. And since 2012, that would be Kyrie Irving, Damian Lillard, Michael Carter-Williams, Malcolm Brogdon, Ben Simmons, Luka Doncic, John Morant, Lamella Ball. And the flex guy is Scotty Barnes, who plays some point guard and plays some center, whatever. The only non-lead ball handers are Bancaro, um, Cat, and Wiggins. Since 2012, right? So, like, if you have the ball a lot, you put up stats, and that helps you quite a bit. And Wemby, like... Well, hundred percent will be a better defender. Like no doubt in my mind, like he's going to be an awesome defender right away, but he's not going to put up the same numbers as Scoot. And like the same thing you can say about Chet, those are going to be the top three in odds for a kid of the year everywhere. So just numerically and historically, like, especially because he's on a tanking Blazers team, he's just going to have the chance to be like, wow, Scoot's averaging 19 and six. And like, that's great for rookie. And he's the first rookie to do that since whatever, like all those things are going to pop up and that's going to make his case really solid. So I think I would still pick Wemby because he's going to have so much coverage. He's going to have so many great games. He's going to be awesome. I think Wemby's going to be amazing. And he's such a unique player too, right? right? Like shooting the threes, some of the things that he does are not like traditional big man things. Yes, absolutely. But I think that Scoot's going to have the ball so much that I will say it's real that he'll have a better shot than the odds say and that the public perception says. So I'm going to go with fake on this. I agree with you on like the basic premise of guards and like lead ball handlers have an easier time, right? Either you're scoring, you're assisting at that point, And that looks really good in box scores, stat sheets. People can kind of easily see that and you can kind of show your impact at that point. But what if the Damian Lillard trade drags out? Does Scoot Henderson start on that team if Damian Lillard's there at the beginning of the year? Do you run a backcourt of Damian Lillard and Scoot Henderson or is it going to be Simons and Damian Lillard? still and how does that maybe right. impact his role and everything and i wonder that if you know who knows if a trade's going to happen or not it still seems like it's going to be the miami heat or bust with that sort of thing and we just learned there's no update on on all of that does that impact him does he maybe not get off to the fast start does he not get all of the chances that he would the second damian lillard's traded right and he steps into the starting lineup and is their starting point guard this is an entirely different conversation is that going to happen just yet? Uh, I don't know when Dave's ever going to be traded. <laughs> well, the, and the other thing you just said that would make me hesitate on my opening of like, he's going to have the ball mm -hmm. a lot is like, well, they have Simons who's, well, I should know this 24 who's young yeah, and he's he young. Has the ball a lot and he's good. 
And they have Shaden Sharp, too, who's also young yep. and should have the ball out, right? So even if Scoot is the starter, there's a chance that he's not putting up the numbers I described because they have other young players worthy of soaking up possessions. And that's fine. They they should try to be developing all those guys. They're all good and young. But, you know, in general, like, gosh, it sucks. You only played a half of Summer League, so it was an awesome half. And I could go, look yeah, at that. It was that. really great. Yeah. And so I was just high on him in the draft in general. So maybe that's why I'm higher on the odds, too. I think he's yeah, situational a- surfing well. But there are, like you you pointed him out very well, and the other young guys in his team, like, there are a lot of reasons he could not put up the numbers that I described. And I, I guess I should just say fake because I think it's going to be Wemby no matter what because I think he's so good. But I think Scoot's being sold a little bit short. Like I would definitely have Scoot's odds over Chet myself, even though I also get why Chet would win. Yeah, and if you're looking at the FanDuel odds, like that's where this gets a little bit interesting, right? Like if you're kind of looking at it from like the betting angle, you have Victor Wembanyama per FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of Locked On here, minus 125 is the favorite. Then you have Chet Holmgren, number two, at plus 380. I mean, Scoot Henderson at plus 430. And then the odds take a dramatic leap <laughs> to Brandon Miller at plus 1500. It's the it's going to be one of these three guys, right, is what they're basically yeah. saying here. Look, getting, getting Scoot Henderson at kind of third best odds at that, it's not bad, I think, to take a flyer on that sort of thing. You know, if Dame gets traded next week and you're like, oh, he's going to get the ball a lot. Look, he's going to be setting up those other guys, too. He's going to be dishing out assists to Sharp, to Simons, and that's going to make his numbers look good, I think. And the other thing when it comes to Scoot Henderson, look, a lot of people were high on him in the draft. The Pelicans were trying to trade up and get him and Maybe or maybe not, depending on who you ask, including Zion Williamson in those talks, which tells you how serious they were. They were just sold on like all the intangibles about him. They were sold that he's like a leader, that he takes care of his body, that he seems to kind of like, you know, first one into the gym, last one out, all the cliches you want to use. They love that sort of thing. Um, And that's going to carry you pretty far, right? You know, when those rookies hit a wall midway through the season, three quarters of the way, maybe he doesn't. And maybe that gives him a late push or something along those lines. How do you feel about Chet in this conversation? Pretty good. I think he'll play. He'll start, which will help a lot. He'll yeah. Like him and Wemby will both be like good defensive players, which is impressive. And the other thing is, like, even though he didn't play a game, being in the NBA for a year is valuable. Just like you've seen it, you've seen the culture, you've been through the travel, you've had the advantages of an NBA nutritionist and weight room. Like, he'll have a lot of inherited advantages of stuff he knows that the rookies, other rookies don't. And that will help him even though he didn't play. Like Blake Griffin won rookie of the year after yep. not playing. Ben Simmons, same thing. So I think he'll do well, but he like like the Thunder, like other guys are just going to do a lot of stuff. <laughs> it's like, like will he average more than like 12 points a game? That's not a knock on him. I think Chet's going to be really good. Yeah, this he's going to be really good. insult at all. It's just like, again, the traditional pathing of what wins the award is kind of tough for him. Like, like who's the last, like, def- I closed the, the rookie of the year's tab. Who's the last defensive center who won rookie of the year? No, of no, course. Right? Like, no, it's not how it goes. And it's the- funny looking at the odds, like you mentioned this, like, I think the reason there's such a big drop-off after Scoot is something we've already talked about. Like, these guys will just, Victor, Chet, and Scoot will just have the ball out where it's like, LaMelo's going to dominate it on Brandon Miller's team. I'm in Thompson and Cam Whitmore on the Rockets where, like, other guys like Jalen Green – Kevin Porter and Fred VanVleet will have the ball. Keontae George is on the like you. I don't have to explain the NBA to everybody listening, but like <laughs> that's why those three guys have such good odds is they'll have chances and Scoot will have the most of them to me. But yeah, I like Chet's shot just because he's had that year in the league. Sorry, I wanted to be yeah. injured there. <laughs> no, that was, that was I, don't, I don't have to explain the league to y'all. Like, <laughs> if you're here on like on NBA, you follow the NBA enough. You to probably know have some sort of understanding of things here, you know. <laughs> Also, when it comes to like Chet, right? 
it, he's just going to be overshadowed by by Wemby. Yeah. Like, is is he going to put up better numbers than Wembenyama is? I, I don't think so. He might have a bigger impact, let's say, on a, you know a team that's better. But is he going to put up better numbers? Like, probably not. And if he's not going to put up better numbers, I think he's just you know it's like you're comparing two bigs playing similar positions, right? Yeah. And it just feels like Wemby's going to have a better season. I agree with all that. So, and they'll go against each other, and everybody will make that a big deal for some. Reason. Oh, I know. Like whoever wins those battles, basically just like removes the other one at times, probably <laughs> when it comes to to all of this. So there you go, rookie of the year. Let us know down in the comments below on YouTube. Do you think it's going to be Scoot Henderson? Do you think it's someone else? Are you just going to go with the favorite, Victor Wembanyama's coming up? Team USA beat Puerto Rico one seventeen seventy four. Do we see some flaws with the team? Or are they going to cruise to the gold medal in FIBA? That's coming up here next in today's episode of Locked On NBA. And thank you for making Locked On NBA your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday breaking down the association for y'all. On Wednesday, Jake Madison here alongside Tony East. If you want to support the channel, become an everydayer. Make sure you're listening Monday through Friday. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube as well. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You ready to freak out about essentially a preseason scrimmage between Team USA and the 20th ranked FIBA team in Puerto Rico that didn't have Jose Alvarado, which Team USA did win, blew him out 117 74. Your boy, Halliburton, looked great here. I got to stop you. I got to stop you. They did blow them out. But man, I mean, I don't know if you watched the whole game, Jake, but there was a point where it was like 30 to 28 where I was like, oh man, this is going to be a it, whole, it, it, gonna be an awful day on the internet. <laughs> it, took a second, it took the second half push, right? Like they clamped yeah. down defensively in the second half and then my water was balling, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was for a while. Like, that was closer for a while. And it was partially yeah. because like Team USA just couldn't shoot. Like no threes were going in <laughs> at all. And then they were just like, oh, we're going to be, we're better than them. We're just going to stop them from doing anything. Jose Alvarado, you could argue, is maybe one of their best players. I don't have the jersey hanging up here, but I have his game-worn jersey in Pelicans uniform right behind me. Like, (laughs) not having him there. Yeah, let's read too much into this. This is what we do. It's it's August. (laughs) What'd you think? Yeah, look. What'd you think? Look, they dominated. Like, they just kicked butt in the second half. Like, every player on Team USA after that flimsy, crappy start, like everybody was good, right? Like was anyone? Yeah, everyone not, was good. It was anyone not up to their standard in the second half of this game? Like they just they kicked their butt for the last twenty minutes. No, like I I have like so it's not like the normal team USA, right? No. Like this is a lot of I saw someone call it the scheme team instead of a dream team, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, actually, it's like pretty good, isn't it? It's good. Like it's just a lot of we're gonna pass the ball play really good defense and kind of grind teams down rather than do this with some star power and you look at the roster like it's fairly balanced right when they kind of really took the lead was when anthony edwards i think scored like 11 straight points you had tyrese halliburton come in with that second unit and play lightning fast and push in transition you had brandon ingram and a couple of other guys going out and dishing the ball racking up a lot of assists to that ball movement like you kind of see what they're doing here they're just solid top to bottom and no other team is probably going to be able to match up with that sort of depth so like that's what they are they're not going to be flashy there's going to probably be a couple scares or two here right during during the world cup run but they're they're good like they're good they have nba players on this that's going to take you pretty far the one complaint the one thing i worry about is with jaron jackson jr getting in foul trouble picked up that third foul right after halftime i don't know if team usa has the exact size to compete with some of these others but that's like so 
nitpicking, especially because Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to be amazing because there's no three second violation and just he was amazing camp. already. Yeah. yeah, he was amazing already. Like he's just <laughs> going to camp in the paint and right. who's, who's going to score on him unless you get him in foul trouble, I guess. Yeah, they don't have like a like they. I guess they have guys who are capable of this, but they didn't have it a lot in this game. Of just like a go get you a bucket whenever, dude. Whereas like it's the like Olympic Anthony Edwards is the guy, right? Like, well, the Olympic team just like twelve of those guys, yeah, like literally anybody. <laughs> like Ingram can and yeah, Ant can and Ant did in this game. But it's like you know that that I think is where they'll they'll struggle if the games are really slow. But you know when they were hitting the open floor, they looked. They look unstoppable. Yeah, you've got to do a bonus show on Lockdown Pacers, don't I you? Do. I, Ty, this is Ty's thing, man. Like other guys who just want to run with him. Is the second he gets rebound, he's like, "Let's go, baby, we're running." He was awesome. It was fun. No, he was awesome. He was fun. I love him kind of coming off of that bench and giving yeah. like that team like a very big boost with like a change. It's like a change of pace, right? Like I'm no glad one's you love gonna it be because ready for that. The sphere of Pacers people were like, "Why is and he starting over Jalen Brunson?" And I'm like, "Who cares? <laughs> do not care." I mean, it might happen at some point, but I think clearly kind of proved to Brunson was also pretty good, to be honest. Like Brunson was like, I'm going to be a point guard and like splashing the ball around to his teammates and everything in this. On October 1st, will anyone remember who started on like, it doesn't doesn't matter. It does not matter. I don't know. Maybe you're going to do an episode of Locked on Pacers about like Tyrese Halliburton's mindset of he felt shafted by Team USA for not starting. So he's going to come in and uh, be super motivated. A big Pacers storyline to tie this team USA we're off the rails we got to get back on traffic here but is Miles Turner made the last World Cup team as the as a center and they cut Bam Bam did not make the squad and now Bam is obviously better but Bam like comes to play against the Pacers like he wants to kick some butt and so I you know I secretly wondered like maybe you're right maybe Ty's like oh I gotta be kick Jalen Brunson's butt every time we play the Knicks you're, you're welcome for the show idea here for uh for an August August episode here uh, how's this if you could add one international player to team USA who would it be uh probably Luca I think for the reason I said earlier just like you need a guy to get you a bucket who's who's better <laughs> even these I've only seen clips of Slovenia so far this summer but he's doing his trademark step back 30 footer and doing whatever he wants with the ball. And he's so good and stylish and like, yeah, Jokic is probably a, no, no, let me cut the word. Probably Jokic is a better player, but I, I oh, you were about to get, get the I'll take like a whole this country USA there. Yeah, um, I, woo, that was close. Oh man, that could have been bad. Um, I think I put Giannis on team USA I for those, you know, well, again, if Jerry Jackson Jr. gets in foul trouble, which he makes some dumb fouls at times, right? Like, if you really want to criticize his game, that's, like, where it is, I think. And it's like, okay, if he gets in foul trouble and may, or fouls out, something like that, like, what happens to this team a little bit? They're probably still okay, but that's, I think, what gives me, like, the biggest pause. I don't know. You put Yoke, If you put Giannis in there, you're kind of fine when it comes to all of that. His game's kind of tailor-made to the FIBA international rules, too, but, I mean, you're not going to go wrong picking anybody probably because they're all really good players. So you're adding like an amazing, you know, near MVP candidate or former MVP onto the team. So it's like, you're still going to be okay. Part of my Luca pick too, is he's, uh, he's playing. Giannis is, well, is Giannis determined out for sure yet? I don't know. Jokic isn't playing. Jokic isn't playing. Giannis is injured. And like, I think it's like, assumed he's not playing but i don't know if it's been like an official like, like if i had seen a highlight of Giannis yamming on some dudes for greece maybe i would have been like oh yeah maybe i'll pick him but all the guy i've seen is luca I mean, he just has he's got a, he's got my attention and he had that injury scared the other day he too did. and like oh, that sucks for john char it's just yeah 
So it's like, who That's knows? That's honestly if... one of my biggest NBA takeaways from Team USA too. Because I, of course, I cover the Pacers. Paul George broke his leg playing for Team USA, yeah. right? It's just like, you just hope nobody gets hurt significantly in any of these. Like that is just such a bummer for these guys. who All they want to do is suit up for their country their whole life and then it changes their whole career. No, and it's it, you even see older guys wanting to be there, right? Like, right. look at Eric Gordon playing for like Bahamas, kind of reclassifying to do all of that. And it's like yeah. he wants to go and do this. This means a lot to these players to go out and get kind of this experience and participate in like the atmosphere for everything. So when those injuries happen, it's just injuries just suck in general. But of course, doing something like this, right, different than you know being in an NBA game or something along those lines. So, can I do an off the wall pick for other guys? I'd pick for two yeah. Can I? We get like. Milos Teodosic or like some of those foreign dudes who throw like the sick passes like every time they touch the ball. They're so fun to watch. I was they're so not excited good, when fun. he came to the NBA and just nope. Didn't didn't really work <laughs> out. I don't know that guy's name. Mikic? Mikic? I should know that. <laughs> just shaking my head, man. <laughs> I want I want style, baby. <laughs> All right. <that's> <laughs> A little bit of that. Like you just want some flair on the team. Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> Yeah, sure. Why not? That sounds fun. Let's get some behind the back passes. Like how guys got like a cigarette dangling from his lip as he's playing out there on the court or something. Like that. How do you do that with one hand? Huh? <laughs> what are the Harlem Globetrotters up to? They got to be. Yeah, there you go. Let's throw, that would have been fun. <laughs> it would be great. I love this, this idea. Is the this time where we say thank you all for listening. To today's that was about to happen. NBA, I, <laughs> I was like. We're at, we're at that time. We don't need to go 30 minutes if this is what we've we've <laughs> devolved into here. So thank you for listening to the Wednesday episode of <laughs> Locked on NBA. Tomorrow we got Nick Angstad and Pat, the designer. It's going to be a fun show. They have a great time on here. As always on Wednesdays, I'm your co-host Jake Madison at NOLA Jake on Twitter and the host of the Locked on Pelicans podcast. I'm Tony East on Twitter at Tony R. East, host of Locked on Pacers. And I bet you tomorrow they'll be talking about a Josh Hart contract extension. Okay, you already know what their show is going to be. So fantastic. Uh, make sure you listen to that one there. As always, it's the Lockdown NBA Podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. We'll see you all next time. <laughs>